Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the new and improved Sportacost Football Stories podcast. I'm Craig Resnick-Hansen. After more than a year away, we are back with a bang. It's 2024 and our very first guest of the year is none other than former Man City, Sunderland, QPR and Real Salt Lake defender and ESPN and BBC pundit Nadam Onua. We get into what it's like going from player to broadcaster, how his fandom has changed over the years throughout his career and much, much more. So sit back, relax and enjoy our chat with the one and only Nadam Onua. Nadam, thank you so much for joining us on the new and improved Football Stories podcast. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you is, I just saw a couple of days ago that you've got a new pod dropping on the BBC mm. with Mark Chapman and Seth Fabregas. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Tell mm. us more about it. What What's what's it going to be about? How often is it coming out? Uh, so it's going to be coming out weekly. Um, and it's a look back at, say, the some of the games that have happened at the weekend and to look forward to the ones ahead, but then also do it through a sort of different perspective in some ways, because I think at times, you know, we're great at overreacting to things and so on, and that's fun. But this is a sort of different kind of conversation. Statman Dave's on there as well, who, you know, is a beloved Five Live member, same as, you know, works on the Saturdays. And it's good, I think, to get a chance to be on there talking about the Premier League and to get a chance to be on there talking about the Premier League with one of the greatest to ever do it in Cesc Fabregas is amazing because we're, as I say, looking at it through a different perspective because not only was he one of the best players, but these days he's a coach as well in Italy. So it's great to sort of bounce ideas off him, think about things in a slightly different light and, you know, also just be lighthearted enough to be able to enjoy the football, uh, the game of football that we love so much. Yeah, is he still at Como, is it? He is, yeah, but he's the uh, he's the manager now. I think he was in charge of the second team, but he's taken over from the first team. I think it was probably seven, eight weeks ago. So as every week passes, the panel becomes like a former player and now an even more experienced manager because that's another seven days worth of content. <laughs> yeah. Another seven days, yeah. So if you if you start here with this pod, then you know by the time we're six months in, then you'll see the journey and the sort of change that he goes through as well. Have you worked with um, Fabregas before or is this going to be the first time? 
I've actively worked against him on the field a few times and that's not gone too well, but I've never worked <laughs> with him before. But he's somebody who, you know, he was he was chosen for a reason because he talks about the game so eloquently. You know, he forgets sometimes that English isn't his first language. And some of the ideas, whether you're looking online and seeing his like coaches, journal type entries, talking about what he was like as a player, how he wants his teams to play, or about stuff which he's just seen. And he's young enough to still be connected to the game today. And as I say, again, somebody who can be coaching up players in this generation, it makes for a fantastic podcast, in my humble opinion. So you might be podcasting with potentially the next elite coach in a few years? It would not surprise me. I think he is somebody who's very much committed to the game of football. He has a sort of idea of how he wants it to be played and how he wants to get his players to play. And I think the skill now will come in him, come with him sort of learning how to get the players to do that. But his style of football and the way that he is and the way he carries himself. Like, listen, if you said to me, you, you need someone to come in as like backup at Como, I'd be like, yeah, go on then, Sesc, why not? I'll come out of time <laughs> to you. Uh, well, you mentioned, um, you, you talked about your playing days there and about playing against um, Sesc. What's it been like transitioning from a player to a broadcaster? Because obviously it's something that um, happens more and more nowadays. Um, there's lots of voices in the game that are ex-pros. Would you say, has anything surprised you about that move? Is there anything you didn't expect that you didn't see going in? Um, I think the transition itself, I think what's changed across the years is that more and more people who are doing it while they're still playing now. From when I was younger, and this is in the early 2000s, like the big pieces might come if you're on a national newspaper. You know, if you happen to appear on Sky once or something, Sky Sports News was coming to the fore, but it wasn't like, it's not the same as it is today, if you know what I mean. So whereas today you can still have a career, but then do extras like seeing the likes of Ben Mee doing Monday Night Football, seeing um, seeing like Mikel Antonio doing his podcast um, alongside Callum Wilson. You know, there are plenty of people who are doing both things at the same time. So it means that when you do decide to hang up your boots, you can still now just turn the microphone up just that little bit louder. So I uh, that's something that's changed as I've been going through my career. But in terms of a surprise, um, I think seeing how things actually work, you know, seeing the the fact that a TV show might require 20, 30 people for it to happen, not just the people the you see on your screen. Side. Yeah. Like, and the production side of things. I was on a radio show recently and I said, for me, the closest I feel to being back in football is actually working in a team to create a show because everyone is important. And if one person, it's not necessarily the host or the pundit or the newsreader, like if the person in the back forgets to slide a fader up before you know it, nobody's hearing anything. If we, <laughs> yeah. you know, if the, um, if the cameras aren't right, then the video can't go out. You know, if, if we've not timed this correctly, then there's somebody who's going to be waiting down the line somewhere who's never getting a chance to come on. So I think the, I've been surprised by how complex it actually is, but then it makes me want to be a part of it even more. So I think I'd probably say that. Well, um, on our site, we we cover broadcasting. On this podcast, we talk a lot about fandom um, with, you know, different sort of voices in the game. And I guess the intersection there is kind of relevant to what you said about how more and more now players are voices in the game, even while they're playing, even while they have active allegiances. Mm. Um, do you think nowadays it's sort of, is it necessary to hide an allegiance that you have? You know, like 20 years ago, yeah. Maybe they would know that Alan Hansen liked Liverpool or whatever, but he had to sort of, we all had to kind of um, mutually pretend that he didn't have 
sort of an allegiance. How do you think that's changed? I think from my standpoint, I consider it to be quite disappointing, but we are here and it's not going to change. I think whenever you see a game on TV, which features, you know, the two most, the two biggest support clubs in England, in Liverpool and Man United, you expect to hear Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. So it means that the experience that you'll be having will be based around people who've got an active interest in one of the sides doing well. And I say, like to some of some of my friends who are City supporters, they see me on TV or see like Micah Richards or Jordan Lesko on TV, say, oh, it's good that you've got City voice out there. But when I say it's not good because then it means you're like in a small group of people who do. And as a consequence, like who's the Wolves correspondent for them yeah. on Sky? <laughs> you know, who's there for Fulham? Who's there for this? And yeah, I don't, I don't love it. I don't know how he came to be in this position, but then everything, as I say, has to be seen through the lens that those guys offer. And at times it's disappointing. And, you know, if, if a game finishes Man United one, Wolves three, after the game, you know, it's the Man United Inquisition as opposed to the, the Wolves breakdown. And yeah. in some ways, you know, it's the audience, it's audience led, but again, it's the chicken or the egg, which one came first? Was it the fact that we could have supporters of teams doing commentary for their teams and so that becomes entertainment or people seeking that level of entertainment instead of just the traditional things that came before i'm not sure yeah it's hard to say i think like you said it's kind of audience driven i guess with the with i guess the the younger generation especially loving you know fan content on youtube mm. and a lot of people we talk to on the podcast are, are whether are, you know fan bloggers or fan twitter account holders or fan youtubers and i guess maybe those big broadcasters saw that and thought people want to watch a yeah. Liverpool guy's take on this or a Man United guy. But, they don't want to see an impartial football analysis. Do you know, in regards to that, there is still that corner of the market for it, like just deeper football analysis as well. But I think some people, they'll see Carragher's Neville's and so on. And I think Sky's biggest ratings come after a United loss because they'll still be arguing in the studio together. So at that point, you're using using people who've had the experience of playing to just like argue as fans and lo and behold, everyone sees that as entertainment, but then the fan channels will still be the fan channels and these channels run pre-game, half-time, post-game. So are you really watching both? I think the market yeah. itself is enormous now. And however you want to consume, if you believe that someone is against your team that's, you know, on TV for this primetime game, go onto your channel like City, City TV, have a match day live show, which I do sometimes. And hundreds of thousands of people tune in because they don't like such and such a person that's like talking on the TV. And you can, cur you can curate your own experience. So if you want to be dour and negative, be negative, but you do have other options. And even though you don't yeah. want to change, you can change if you want to. I've noticed that um, most of the, I, I listen to a lot of your work and the most of the time that I hear you is when you pop in on ESPN FC or rather mm. um, Gab and Jules, mm. uh, when you're covering for Jules or Gab. And it seems to me that you make a really concerted effort if you are um, breaking down a city game, for example, or a city topic to sort of, um, you know, qualify everything and to, and to yeah. sort of um, make it as transparent as possible. Mm. But is it ever difficult? Um, do you ever find, because you've been a, a lifelong city fan, right? Pretty yep. much since yep. a very young age. Is it tough to separate the fan from the professional pundit? Um, I think from my perspective, not really, no. Because I think people have been introduced as a former Man City player. 
you know, so immediately that's put me in this segment. Like I don't go around, I wouldn't be going around saying I'm a Man City former player or whatever. I just say I'll talk about football. I see more of their games and I'm more connected with them than any other side as it stands. But when I watch it, when I watch any game of football, all I'm doing is watching a game of football and whatever the kits will be, whatever the teams are, I try and see whatever's going on in there and try and make an analysis based around that. Yes, of course, I want City to win every game forever, you know, but the reality is that's not the way football works. So if I've watched the game, I'll be able to try and explain why, to sort of see the issues that they have, see what the other team did to counter it and vice versa, because it's just a game of football at the end of the day. So I think when people think that things I'm saying, I'm only saying it because I'm associated with City. Well, no, that's not the case, because one thing which I always wanted, which I didn't necessarily always get in my career, was um, fairness. Because as a smaller player at a smaller club, nobody cares about anything that you're doing. And so as a consequence, like I said before, like if United lose, it's the Inquisition more so than the analysis of Wolverhampton. But yeah. they could probably, they deserve it. Like, because lo and behold, in people's minds, we're so quick to say one team's good, one team's bad and so on and so forth. But these are the top 20 teams in England and we class this as the best league in the world. Yet still, you're gonna say the team that's, the player that plays in the team that's in the middle of the table is no good. But the only reason you perceive it to be no good is because nobody discusses them. Nobody talks about them fairly. So I try and be as fair as I can be. And I do express my sort of bias from the get-go and say, I want them to win. I like this team. But here's the analysis of the football side of things. Because for me, unless I'm working for City, then that isn't my purpose as such. You know, you can try and turn yeah. me into this caricature, but that's not something I've got any interest in doing at all. How has your relationship with City as a fan changed over the years? Because... One of the big cliches you can hear in life in general is, um, you know, if you make your hobby or the thing you love into your job, then it sort of becomes, um, I don't know, you know, I love football so much. I love watching it. Maybe if I became a football manager mm. and I spent, you know, all of my life constantly doing it, it might get a bit more, it might feel like a nine to five. So um, obviously when you're in the academy, you, I guess it was already kind of like a job, but you probably still had that magic in your eyes, but then, you become you know. a you know a fully fledged pro and then at a pundit. How's your relationship with? A, are you any less of a fan than you were when you were ten? I think it's, it changes a lot over the years. So when I was ten, like I chose to support City, but I didn't really have the ability to go to every game if I wanted to. I couldn't exactly watch every game on TV either because you know between ten and thirteen, City weren't in the Premier League. You know they yeah. they dropped down there in Division One, Division Two, coming back up and so on. So I'd go to some games because I was a ball boy. But again, the uh, fandom's different. I'm just watching. It's like the very, even though I'm playing in the academy, it's separate. Like that's them. This is me. Then you come in full time and you're close. You start training with people who you've seen play. You're connected and you're 17, 18 and you're on the verge of potentially training with the first team to be with the first team. And then those first few years when I was playing with the first team, it was a gift and a curse to be a fan of the team that you're playing for because it made me feel like immense pride. But it also meant that for me, it was every game was more than a game. You know, if we lost, like I'm devastated to the point where I wouldn't leave my house for a week. And me as a 37 year old now, like what a stupid thing that would be. Like to say to my wife and kids now, sorry, we can't go out today because we lost the game or something. It's pathetic. And as time passed, yes, it turned into more of a job and you still, you still like when you're there, it's easy to support because it's for your own benefit. But then when you leave, most people don't leave in a way in which they want to. So it was harder to be a fan at that point. But I had the connection there because I still had 
staff who were working there and former teammates who were trying to succeed there. So I always had that love for them. But bigger picture stuff, it wasn't necessarily the same. And then after I re left England, actually in 2018, to go to play in MLS was when I, um, I wasn't part of English football anymore. So all of a sudden it's easier to be a fan, you know, or support rather. And there was no one really in the team that I knew. So I'm supporting them from a distance. And that took me back to when I was like 10, 11, 12, because again, I've got no real connection. And now working in media, I work for them. And some of the faces which I first saw when I was 10 to like 16, they're still there. And they welcome me back so much that, you know, it makes me feel really proud that I was able to have been there. And they know that the emotions that they go through, I'm going through. And that connection, that fan connection, when you're not playing anymore, it definitely is there for me. So it's been quite easy to be a fan now. But when I was in the same league as them, league as them it was harder and especially tough once they decided that, you know, they didn't want me anymore. Yeah, I heard you um, talking about that on, um, what's it What's it called, the the Five podcast? Filthy Fellas. Filthy Fellas, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard you on there talking a little bit about the the Mancini stuff, but we mm. don't need to rehash that. But um, but yeah, I can... I can yeah, I can um, it's, it's, feel it's how tough. you. Like, yeah. when someone comes into your house and tells you you have to leave, it's unlikely that you walk out the door with a smile on your face. If that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Like you said, yeah. very few, um, you know, periods at a club end where I mean, unless you retire there, right? It can't really end happily, can it? Ex exactly. Yeah. But even still, we could talk about <laughs> the perspective. Say, someone might retire, but then what happens when the next season they do something great? You know, like it still feels yeah. weird. Like you're a fan, but it's oh. like, oh, that could have been me. That could have been me. So it's never completely happy, is it? Never. Um, you mentioned how it's harder. Well, maybe not necessarily harder, but it's a different experience being a young player playing in a team who is a real fan of that club as opposed to just a professional there. Um, I remember when, you know, you were one of those at City hmm. um, in your sort of late teens and early 20s. I guess everyone looked at you as like the um, local lad, the City boy nowadays it's um phil foden i guess is the main one there's a few coming through but phil foden sort of like that talisman for that idea have you ever spoken to him about that does he have that um feeling of you know super depression when you lose because not only has he lost as a player but yeah. he's actually a fan of the club so it's yeah double jeopardy maybe it, i think it is but i think what's different is like you know they don't really lose too many games and phil i can't yeah. The comparison between myself and Phil ends after you said we both came through the academy. Outside of that, like <laughs> Phil's one of the one of the best of a generation. He might end up being one of England's most successful players ever. You know, he's he's amazing, and he's got this real drive within him to be incredibly successful. And I think last season, he at the end of the season after they'd won the treble, he was speaking to me. I think at one of the parades, and he was expressing how proud he was that the club had done what they'd done. But then he felt slightly down on himself because he wasn't as big a part of it as, as he would have liked to be. But the most important thing for him was to be a bigger part of the next season. And that's the tone that you get from somebody who classes somewhere as being their home. I think there'd be other yeah. players who were on the fringe, who might've been on the fringes, who might be thinking, well, if I'm not playing now, then I'm going to try and leave. But as was the case for him, it's probably the case for myself. Like, I never thought about leaving until I was told that I had to. And yeah. I think Phil's in that same spot. He's in the best place possible. He's in a place where the club is amazing. He's got great players around him, great management, great infrastructure. He's hugely successful there. And he wants to be there more than anything. And I think players on their journey will go here, go there, go wherever. 
but when you know that you're at home, as I say, it's a tough place to leave. So yeah, I wouldn't necessarily compare myself to him, but I'm sure he goes through a lot more emotions than say some of the other players do because he knows the history and he knows who he is. And to give him credit, I've seen him a couple of times this season when he's been warming up and stuff. And he still even goes to the likes of Micah Hamilton. You know, he's training with Rico Lewis and other players coming through because he was once that guy and he yeah. knows the value of someone to look up to for them, even though he's only 23 years of age himself. It's a testament to how much he loves the club yeah. um, that he looks at it like that. Um, I, as I, as many people probably know, you were born in Nigeria and um, came over to the UK at an early age. I'm wondering, did you have the chance to make a connection with any teams there before you left that you still keep an eye on? Or was it, were you really just too young? I was way too young. I was way too young. I was only like five years old. And as I like look at my kids now who are nine, six and five, I think I was nothing (laughs) at all coming over here. You know, it's amazing. I can can remember anything from that time. But yeah, I didn't really have a connection with any teams over there now, unfortunately. Do you keep an eye on the national team? Oh, that's... So here's an interesting opinion for you, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but so as far as club teams go, you are where you are. You come through wherever you come through. You can support, you can come through at City and support United, like loads of players do it, Cole Palmer's, whoever, loads of people do it, and it's fine. But then a team can kick you out and you're no longer that player anymore. You know, I support City, then City moved me on, and then, you know, I'm just out in the wilderness. But your nationality is your nationality. And that's the only team where you can't really change allegiance. Like how weird would it be for a Nigerian to be supporting Ghana? You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, uh, absolutely. it's not a thing because that's who you are. And I know you've just been born there, but my mom and dad born in Nigeria. My sister's born in Nigeria. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins born in Nigeria. That's who we are. So yes, I do keep an eye on the more so than I do for England. Cause like I, I want England to do well. I've been through that sort of like younger system and I know what it's about. Like Manchester is, is my home. But the place, whenever England play Nigeria, that's when I realised that like Nigeria's the one. You know, if there was to be a game that I wouldn't want England to win, it's the one game against Nigeria, and that's the only game. So yeah. it makes complete sense because, like you said, your parents are Nigerian. When people don't understand that kind of conflict, I always think to myself, "Well, why don't you just imagine that where your parents were? Imagine your parents are from Japan. Yeah, that's ever they're your parents, aren't they? So of course, yeah. that's your team." Even even like my like my name is it's not like Nathan or whatever. Like it's it's literally <laughs> yeah. my name is it's a Nigerian name from a Nigerian family that was raised in Nigeria to begin with. So yeah, yeah that's there are more people like me on that team playing for Nigeria Afcon now than there are for England at this moment yeah. in time. So makes complete sense. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I haven't been um, keeping too up to date with the AFCON, but how are they doing it? Have they played a first game? Yeah, they've played and they drew and they should have won. So, yeah. At least they behold. didn't get upset fully. Like, I've heard that. I think there's been like three or four huge shocks already. Yeah. Right? I think them drawing was kind of uh, an upset in some ways, but we'll just put it down to feeling the tournament out itself and cross our fingers and hope that miracles do happen. But yeah. unfortunately, when everyone else crosses their fingers as well, they tend not to. But yeah, there's, there's a belief that they'll be all right. I think they'll be okay. Okay, so um, obviously you've got a huge affinity with City. Um, I wondered if I'm sure that you have a connection with the other teams that you played with, um, yeah. Sunderland, QPR, um, yeah. RSL. Yeah. But are there any that have a bigger draw for you? Like, for example, when you went to MLS, did you really, really connect to Salt Lake and you remember them fondly yeah. or...? Yeah, I really connected well with Salt Lake because it was a big decision to go over there. And upon going over, it meant that it was important that I gave everything. And I met some really, really good people there. It was one of those places where a lot of people say, oh, don't go there. It's a small market club. It's this, it's that, it's a bit this. But the people were so nice. They were so genuine. And they sort of changed in my life and the life of my family and kids. Like there was a game based on where I was living, whereby I needed 40 tickets and the reason I needed 40 tickets because everyone on the estate that I lived in wanted to go. And these are people who'd never watched football before, but ever, that's how connected I was within that community. And I think to myself being in England, like I like my neighbor, but it's because my neighbor's my dad, you know? So <laughs> beyond, beyond that, like to have that sense of community and then the club itself, it takes the underdog role really, really well. They've won championships and stuff in the past, but again, it's a small market. And when you go there, you're committing to be there. So I've got a great connection there and I've loved coming back a couple of times and haven't been in America for those two and a half years. When I go there now, it's even though it's a holiday, it almost feels like you're going home. That's yeah. a very unique feeling. And those people look forward to seeing me. And if I say I wanted to go to a game, I'd be able to get tickets. They'd host me. They'd want me to do stuff afterwards, go and see players at the training ground, go see staff. And that's top, honestly. I, I feel as I retired there, like, they were the, basically was the last game of the season for us was basically during the 2020 season. The stadium was like at half capacity because of the pandemic. There was a snowstorm, but most of the people that were coming, they stayed because I was going to go off at 60 minutes. So I was going to get a round of applause to be thanked for being a player for them across two and a half years. I had like the groundskeeper put like painted my number in by the side of the goal. It was everything like it was it was amazing. I've never felt more proud than I did walking off that field and leaving that stadium that day because that was the end of my career. And I felt I couldn't have done it in a better place with good people around me. And I knew I was appreciated. I knew I made a difference. So, yeah, I'm very much still connected there, but I'm also connected in the other places as well. That is a beautiful story. Maybe that's the answer to this next question. But before we um, let you go, I just wanted to do three quick ones. The highlight of your playing career? Um. Well, I did like how it ended, but well, I kind of did because we didn't make the playoffs, but still it was the last game nonetheless. Uh, I enjoyed... Mm. 
I've had, I had quite a few moments. It's tough to pick one, but I enjoyed playing at Wembley because upon going to Wembley, I realised that not everyone gets the chance to do it. I think at times we can be quite snooty when we see someone holding up the banner, oh, we're going to Wembley, blah, blah, blah. But if you ask most players, have they done it? Most of them will say, no, they haven't. So to go to Wembley in a playoff final in 2014 and to win was an amazing feeling. And we kind of, it was a bit of a robbery in the game. But yeah, to get to to get a chance to play in a stadium that's housed so many big games, so many big moments, and I'd say to be successful there, I'd probably say that, to be honest. Highlight of your broadcasting career so far, even though it's so young. Yeah, it's very young, isn't it? Um, I think it would have to be... Um, it's not going to be anything I've done on TV as such, but I tell you what, I really enjoyed going to the World Cup last winter with ESPN because it felt like a huge privilege, firstly, to be at a World Cup, to be asked to be there to cover it. And I was with Julian Laurent, I was with Alexis Nunes, I was with Mike Rodriguez, um, I was with an AP, Mo, and there were quite a few others. And ESPN goes far beyond what people think. So there's like ESPN Australia, ESPN Brazil, Mexico, and so on. And I felt part of this big community and team. And I had the ability through ESPN to be going, to, I went to probably six or seven games outside of the games I was working on. And to be there, to be able to talk about the games at the end of the day to the American audience and to be connected and to know that, as I say, it felt, it was a very unique World Cup and obviously it has its issues as such, but this was the World Cup where basically it's like hosting it in the Northwest of England, where anything's accessible, everything's accessible. And to be asked to go to that, to be paid to watch football, because I love watching football, especially international football. You know, that was a highlight for me. And looking back, it still doesn't feel real to this point. Maybe it came in that tournament actually, but highlight watching as a fan maybe it's a team that you're genuinely connected to or just being in a stadium watching a game as a, as a fan of football so i don't really go to many games full stop to be honest beyond actually working um and this one kind of counts in some ways but so in 2021 i was working for city's match day live show when they went to the champions league final against chelsea and that was as low as low comes because on the day they were really bad and as i was walking away i thought yeah. well it's the Champions League final. There's no guarantee you'll ever come back. You know, some people dream of getting the chance to do it once. You know, what the chance of you being able to do it again? And you know how tough the journey is to get there. But then to be pitch side when City won it against Inter Milan, to be walking by the side of the field and to see some of these current City players see me come over, like Phil Foden, like Kevin De Bruyne, like Rodri come over and they're hugging me. The guy that played in the City team that didn't score a goal at home for four months in the 2006-07 season. <laughs> and like Kevin gave me his like medal for a second while we took a picture. And I was like, this is without a doubt one of the most surreal moments of my life. And this team, <laughs> yeah. which I supported from when they were in Division 2, when I was a ball boy there, when I went to Wembley in 99, where they just about snuck up past Gillingham. To now seeing them playing into my life, into Milan after beating... Um, Real Madrid after beating Bayern Munich after beating Man United in the FA Cup final after going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Arsenal in the league they'd just done it they just won a treble and their first Champions League and I was on the side of the field getting hugs from players who'd just done it themselves you know that for me like I don't know if that can ever be topped in my opinion I don't think there's a better way to end this conversation on mm. the new edition of Sporting Cost Football Stories that is a fantastic story Nadem thank you so much for coming on we really, really, really appreciate it and um, look forward to hearing you on Planet Premier League, ESPN FC, 
BBC Radio 5 Live in general? Most places that don't have a massive platform, yes, that's what you'll see. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of the new Football Stories era. It was such a pleasure talking to Nadem. We can't wait to bring you more chats with fans from across the footballing landscape, from ex-pros to bloggers, YouTubers, and much more. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. If you really liked it, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That would help us out so, so much. Thanks again. Catch you next time on the Sportscast Football Stories podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.